Actually, I probably go ahead and plug this up. I'm going to turn to Jonah again, chapter 2. And actually, they are right here. Hey, Joel, would you like to hand these out? I'm going to get one to everybody, okay? Getting your hand out there for, actually, we're already on lesson number eight, the proceeding of the journey. I forgot to mention, actually, a couple weeks ago, we're technically in section two of our study here. Section two actually started with lesson six, technically, but um, moving along here in our, uh, our study of Jonah, lesson number eight, proceeding of the journey, again, as these have been, again, just kind of some different takes maybe than what we're used to on, on the book of Jonah, and this is a, uh, another one, another good lesson with some good, good things to think about, so I um, hope it uh, is a challenge to you. Lesson number eight. Um, we're actually going to start uh, Jonah chapter 2, verse 10. Anybody needs a writing utensil? Jonah chapter 2, verse 10 says, And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Chapter 3. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. You know, our obstinate will does not change God's omniscient will. You know, we can't understand everything in God's plan for our lives, but God will not change His will to accommodate our wishes. Since His plan is perfect, there's no reason for Him to change it. We should obey God the first time that he speaks because our delay will not change his direction. Now, God knows that we will only have joy in this life if we're in the center of his will. And he jealously works in our lives to bring us to that place. So some objectives to think about tonight with, with the lesson is to realize that our decisions, both good and bad, will determine what our destiny is going to be. And also to enable us to get back up after failure. That's the second one. And third is just to encourage us and realize that God is a God of second chances. He is a God of second chances. And victory in our lives is just an obedient step away. It's kind of interesting to think about that. A victory is just one obedient step away. And then lastly, to challenge us to obey God the first time that he speaks, realizing that he's not going to change his mind about his plan for our lives simply because we don't want to obey it. So lesson number eight here, kind of jumping right into, we've already read the text, those couple, those three verses there. Now, if Jonah's story was in drama form, there would be a lot of scene changes, obviously. And this, beginning in verse 10 here, chapter 2, this would be another one of those uh, scene changes there. And the Lord spake unto the fish. You know, it's a good thing the fish was listening to God, or none of it would have taken place, what we're about to continue. 
course, by now, the fish is probably sick of Jonah, too. Bad preachers cause indigestion for anybody. On a, on a more serious note, God is very patient with us. Aren't you glad he doesn't give up when we do? None of us would have wasted any more time with Jonah. But God wasn't just interested in Nineveh. He was interested in Jonah. God could have used anybody, but he chose to use him to do it. Now, God is intensely interested in this world being saved. And he could use any number of ways to get that done. He could just speak, you know, think of, or just make it so easy, you know. If you can, and you, of course, you can think about a lot of different things there. But, but he's chosen to use us in that. From our perspective, we could think that's not really that wise, you know. There's plenty of other ways that God could do it. But Paul says an interesting things here in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 29. That's the first, should be the first verses there on your sheet. Um, well, you see your calling, brethren, how that many, not many wise men, after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath he chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. That no flesh glory in his presence. God wants to use us in a way that's much bigger than ourselves, but he also wants to be big in the process. Him big in the process. So point one, point number one here. These all start yep. All three points as it's very, very alliterated, this study here. So they all start with a C. It is a sick creature. Not creature. Probably be a hard one to get without. It's it's this word is definitely used here, not how you normally think of it as being used. The, norm, the way this word, you normally think of it as a document that is very important for our country. It's sick constitution. Great use of the thesaurus. <laughs> a sick constitution. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Can you kind of picture that in your mind? <laughs> Again, there's lots of uh, things that you can picture and think about in this story that would be very interesting <laughs> to picture. And the author talks about here, he often hopes that there's video rooms in heaven, you know, where you can go watch replays of events such as this. This, this is one he'd love to see on that. It would, uh, it would definitely be very interesting. Of course, you see the kids' movie, and he goes to the beach, and it goes out like that. But you think about it, he would have kind of, unless he had some serious uh, trajectory, he uh, would have had to got pretty close to the beach <laughs> to do something like that. Who knows? Have you ever used the phrase, you make me sick? God literally made the fish sick on here. 
and I believe it was a quick, quick exit as well, for the fish was no doubt tired of housing this backslidden prop preacher. All God had to do was give the word, and Jonah was back on dry land. Psalm 33.9. And it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. God spoke, and the world was created. God spoke, and Jesus arose from the grave. God will one day speak, and will be taken up to be with him. All it takes is a word from God. So sub-point A here, class... Abby's not in here, so this is one. Starts all the, sorry, I guess I told you. These, both of these start with a D. Class dismissed. That is correct. Class dismissed. The curriculum has been taught. The final exam given. And Jonah is ready to graduate from Seaweed Seminary. The sooner we learn to obey the sooner we can proceed in the journey of God's perfect will. And the author talks about here, he likes the word to the, to the, he calls it the following children's song, which is what we sang this evening. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Doing exactly what the Lord commands, doing it happily. Action is the key. Do it immediately. Joy you will receive. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Then not a typo, John 15, 14. You are my friends. If you do whatsoever, I command you. I had to look at that twice, but yes, it is John 14, 15 and John 15, 14. Subpoint B, classic, also starts with a D. He had a very classic D you know, dispensation. If you think of a speaker, he had a very classic that demonstration. He had a very classic delivery. Classic delivery. So again, think of a sick constitution, which you're in here, a class dismissed, classic delivery of Jonah. <laughs> it's interesting to see, in, of course, in verse 10, and the Lord spake unto the fish and had vomited out Jonah, not in the middle of the ocean, right? It's kind of interesting, not in the middle of the ocean, because the fish had to go somewhere for this to happen. Vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. What an immediate contrast to where he had just been for the last three days and three nights. You know, from floods and billows, waves and verse, from floods, billows and waves in verse 3 of chapter 2, and waters and weeds in verse 5, Jonah is suddenly standing on dry land. You can imagine probably the past 72 hours how much would have longed for that, <laughs> for that situation. And what a difference obedience makes. Psalm 40, verses 1 and 2. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. 
old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. If you have never experienced the change that comes with salvation, now is the day of salvation. You know, as a Christian, though, blessings will begin in, our, in your life with the next step of obedience. James 1.25 but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Did you catch those words that it said there? I, I never really thought about this until I was looking at this, this um, the preparation for this. Perfect law of liberty. Isn't that kind of like a misnomer? You think about that? These two words kind of seem to be opposites of each other, don't they? In the perfect law of liberty. It's interesting. Just think about that. Uh, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer. This man shall be blessed in his deed. Again, action is the key, the doer part. So on to point two. We had a sick constitution, and now we have a second chance. That was a good one, easy one. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, we definitely should be very thankful for God that he is in Psalm 103, verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. should be very thankful for that daily. Subpoint A here is an something, Lord. Both of these um, start with an A. Not all seeing. Um, both of these start with an A. Again, think of the not Anna. That's good. That's a good chance. It's a good guess. A second chance. A character in that is an something, Lord. Not amazing. Does start with an A. This is kind of a harder one to get probably here. An attentive. An attentive Lord. Aren't you glad that when you call on God, you never get a voicemail? You never get his answering machine or unable to deliver notification. Psalm 34, 15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open under their cry. They're open. Think of Baal, that uh, situation with uh, Elijah on Mount Carmel. And Elijah's, when they're, of course, dancing around, doing all their stuff, and Elijah's kind of making fun of him a little bit. No, maybe he can't hear. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he's uh, on a journey, and he can't hear you. But aren't we glad that the Lord's not like that? In the life of Christ, we can see his attentiveness to the needs of people from all walks of life. The woman at the well, short man in a tree, the blind beggar by the roadside, the widow with two mites, and then the thief on the cross. They were all examples of his all-seeing eye and always caring heart. Now, while we often focus on the fact that God sees us when we sin, it is a great truth to know that God also sees us when we're obedient. Men may overlook your faithfulness, but God never does. Hebrews 6.10. 
For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, and in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Interesting. God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Did you know that God has his own palm pilot and that your name is on it? Isaiah 49, 15 to 16 says, Can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget. Yet will I not, yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Think about that. Graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Subpoint B, not only do we have an attentive Lord, we have an something long-suffering. This word was already said previously. And something long-suffering. An amazing long-suffering. How would we have dealt with Jonah had he defied our orders and ignored our message? Probably written him off for good, but not God. For the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. Now, when Peter came to the Lord in Matthew 18, he asked him a question in verse 21. So Matthew 18, 21 is the next, next one on there. Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. I wonder how different our relationships would be at home, at work, and at church if we practice the long-suffering of the Lord. So often the Spirit of God is quenched because of bitter and unforgiving spirits. In Ephesians 4, 30-32. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. If God, in his patience and long-suffering, has forgiven me of every sin, there's no one that I can't forgive with his help. George Herbert said, He who cannot forgive others breaks the bridge over which he must pass himself. Basically, it's hurting yourself. Benjamin Franklin stated, Doing an injury puts you below your enemy. Revenging makes you but even with him. Forgiving sets you above him. Interesting to think about that. So under our last point here, point three, we had a sick constitution and a second chance and then a same Not that, not challenge, similar to that. Not calling, it's a longer word. C-O, the first two letters. Not commandment, very close to say there is a double M. Commission, what'd you say? Commission. Because again, you think of it in the sense of a same 
Um, it's in the idea of, and God spake unto Jonah the second time. That is correct. A same communication. In chapter 1 and verse 2, God commanded Jonah, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. Now in chapter 3, verse 2, he says, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. It's interesting. He specifies the preaching that I bid thee. And the second time here. This, but the assignment had not changed. Your obstinate will does not change God's omniscient will. Now, Jonah's um, obstinance of not wanting to do it didn't change God's message the second time to him. It was the same. Subpoint A here, of course, there's two, two blanks here um, the, on, bo on both of them. The first letter starts with an A, and the second, um, second word starts with a P. So A and P are your two letters. Man can something God's something. Not avoid. It's a shorter word in the sense of, of course, God gave Jonah a second chance, but he definitely shouldn't do this. And we shouldn't. Man can abuse is the first word. Man can abuse God's patience. Man can abuse God's patience. You may be thinking that since God is a patient God, you have plenty of time to serve him. But consider the words of Ecclesiastes 8.11. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Be careful. God warns us in Proverbs 29.1. He that being often reproved, hardeneth his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. And Paul said this in Galatians 2.21. And do not frustrate the grace of God. God was patient with the people of Noah's day in spite of their wickedness, but his patience would eventually run out. And he actually set a timeline on this one, too. Genesis 6.3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his day shall be in hundred and twenty years. God actually gave a timeline on that one. Think of the subject then of Sunday mornings of the children of Israel, what that's been. Eventually, you no, know, they had a lot of chances, but eventually they crossed the line. Man can abuse God's patience, which actually is interesting thinking about them right after God gave them the ultimatum. To that they crossed the line. It says they wept all that night, and I think it was the very next day. They're like, okay, if we're decide we're ready to obey God now. And they gathered a little force together and tried to go up and fight against some people, and they got routed because God wasn't with them because he'd already told them, you crossed the line. And since you don't know where the line of God's patience is for you in whatever situation, wherever, it doesn't make sense to keep walking in that direction. The old hymn writer put it this way, Have you counted the cost if your soul should be lost? 
though you gain the whole world for your own. Even now it may be that the line you have crossed, have you counted, have you counted the cost? There's also there's another song, I think John Peterson, no, God's Final Call. No, someday you'll hear God's final call to you to heed his message of salvation true. This could be it, my friend, if you but knew God's final call. God's final call. So our last sub-point here, we have man can abuse God's patience, but man cannot something God's something. All. <laughs> I don't think I heard any of the words right, but it's close. Starts with an A. A and a P. What to start with? Because they can abuse God's patience, but they cannot. What was it? Plan is the last word. Something, not avoid. Think of unchanging. Man cannot alter God's plan. Man cannot alter God's plan, and if you think about it, why would we want to when his plan is perfect? How are you going to improve on perfect? We spend all of our energy trying to devise a plan that's better than God's, only to realize in the end his plan is impeccable to begin with. This is actually a really interesting story here. Uh, well, I mean, I guess it's a story, more of like a, a lesson here. The captain of a ship looked out into the distance across the waters and saw a light directly in the path of his ship. He commanded his signalman to send a message, alter your course 10 degrees south. A few moments later, a reply was received, alter your course 10 degrees south. Captain was outraged. His message had been ignored. He sent a second message. Alter your course 10 degrees north. I'm a captain. Soon a message was received. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am Seaman First Class Jones. The captain could not believe it. He sent a third message knowing the fear it would evoke. Alter your course 10 degrees north. I am a battleship. Few moments late, few moments passed, and then a third message was received. Alter your course ten degrees south. I am a lighthouse. Go ahead. Try to talk God out at changing his course. You'll find out in the end that he's not moving. And the last verse there, Psalm 119.89. Not sure who actually had was last. I'll read that one. Forever, O Lord, thy word is, what's that word? In heaven. What's settled is what it is. It's not changing. It's not up for debate. It's not um, debatable. It's settled. It's like the gavel, the judge. Success never comes to the man who tries to change the Bible to fit his life. Success comes to the man who changes his life to fit the Bible. I think there was, uh, I think it was Thomas Jefferson, who, um, of course, 
our country definitely has a very deep biblical heritage to it. Obviously, not every person was saved. In fact, the vast majority probably were not. But definitely our country was very heavily influenced by the Bible. And even some of our founding fathers were atheists or agnostics and stuff like that. But Thomas Jefferson um, um, was definitely not in the biblical category. But I think it was him who he went through and basically made his own Bible by cutting out anything of like supernatural or that he didn't agree with. He'd have a very holy Bible, not in the way you think on that. But trying to change the Bible to fit you doesn't work. It's coming to fit our life to the Bible. That's how that works. So it's, an, again, an interesting, another interesting lesson. Just thinking about some, uh, some of those uh, statements and lessons. Anything stand out to anybody in particular? didn't change. It's a very circuitous route to get there, but it hadn't changed. Anything else? Doesn't change who God is. God is who He is. It doesn't change. So it's kind of bringing out just some solid points of who God is and how He how He handles things. He doesn't change. I'm thinking of like how it reflects modern day Christianity. Of like, um, it helps you. This lesson made me think of just how you can sort what is not true. Like God does Starts praying and she sits praying, Thank you, God, that you change as we change. I'm like, that, that moment of like, God never changes. Like, there's that, it kind of, ever since then, it's just like, Yeah, this is the Christianity after the big fluffy ending. But we don't need the feels, we need God's truth. Yep. And just being able to like rest in that, like the rock, the white mountain rock. <laughs> so, I don't know, that was encouraging for me. I didn't get to hear the whole thing, but it was encouraging. <laughs> And just trusting God and just knowing that his plans, like his daily plan, just the little things, I was thinking last night when we were going to Lowe's and you know, God's plan, our plan wasn't God's plan yesterday. <laughs> we were going to Lowe's and there's the uh, U-Haul off the road and we took this God's route to Lowe's. It was way longer than our route. It was a big circle back to the same place. I keep yeah. saying it's going southeast, south, southwest, and I'm like, oh boy. 20 degrees. We're going back to the same place, but it was cleared out by the time we got there again. Well, it's just interesting how just God's plan, just trusting him. 
his chest again. I'm not kicking and screaming, I'm just being picky with it. Well, these are several things. I know it's interesting thinking about Jonah. Of course, I don't think it says how far out to sea the boat got or how long. I don't think it says. I mean, it could have been days, months, who knows exactly. But um, wouldn't it have been ironic if uh, Jonah would have got spat out right where he started? And that doesn't say where either. He could have got spat out in Spain and he had to go all the way over there. Who knows? It doesn't say. But um, I don't know. Could have been ironic to be right back where he started initially. If you do, you may not necessarily want to do the thing that you know you're supposed to do. And if you don't, you often miss blessings. But if you do the right thing, you find out. Like, God worked all those things you were worried about, and you got to experience a blessing of what you're supposed to do. Like, things you never thought of. It's definitely... God of second chances and his long suffering and then yeah just you know, we often focus so much like on the negative you know God always God always sees you when you disobey I mean, but he sees us when we obey and he notes that and he's not unrighteous to forget that often it's not in the timing that we like <laughs> of that but it says he's not unrighteous to forget that just as long-suffering is out of this world, literally, on that. Any other, other thoughts or comments before we close? So lesson nine next week is the pronouncement of judgment. Finally, God has a willing and obedient servant. That's how it starts. So let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we do uh, thank you for thank you for the lesson this evening about about Jonah again, and just this definitely is a will of a lesson on obedience. That um, so many just different things to think about, and think of, of course just this evening, just with um, of course we the fish's obedience contrasted. Excuse me. Contrasted with Jonah's no disobedience, then we also see that how that you're a God of second chances, and your will to have Nineveh preach to and repent was the same. Jonah was determined not to be the one in that, but you weren't through with him either. And obviously, we still have yet to see stories of things that you're not through with them yet either. Just lessons you're teaching him. And it's, again, things for us today, just your long-suffering, but then not to abuse your patience and not to abuse your long-suffering, that our, um, you don't bend your will to fit our wishes. It's the other way around. And I ask you just to continue to work in our lives and convict us, inform us, make us more like you. And be with us as we go to our homes this evening. Bring us back together again on Wednesday. In Jesus' name, amen.